Today's episode of On Shuffle is brought to you by Musician. Have you always wanted to learn a musical instrument but not known where to start? Let the Musician app be your musical tutor. It's the best way to learn, practice, and master an instrument. It listens to you play and gives feedback on your accuracy and timing. Become the musician you always wanted to be. Download the Musician app for free in your app store today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's another episode of On Shuffle. I am your host, Micah Peters, a staff writer at The Ringer. And maybe you've been wondering who did the fish tank first. Was it Lord or Kanye West and Kid Cudi at Flognaw this past weekend? Hint, it's Lord. But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about Smino's new album, Noir, with my former editor and very good friend, Hannah Georges, who works at The Atlantic now. And we are also going to be discussing Lil Peep's posthumous album, Come Over When You're Sober, Part 2, with my colleague Justin Sales. But first, let's get into the Smino album. Smino, St. Louis native, and depending upon who you ask, Nelly's heir apparent, returned last Wednesday with his sophomore album Noir. My former editor and very good friend, Hannah Georges, <laughs> staff writer at The Atlantic, wrote that the album, quote unquote, creates its own hazy world. And also that Smino, again, quote unquote, sounds the way backwoods smell, warm, earthy and full bodied. Hannah, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm great, and I'm super happy that you read that line of all lines. Yeah, I mean, it's this is probably up there with may, maybe your second favorite description of music of mine, right behind like calling. <laughs> uh, what was it, what was the song of More Life that you said sounded like a sonic pina colada? Passion fruit. That's what it was. Yeah. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a bar, it's a bar. Uh, thank you, thank you. Words course. are hard, but you know, every once in a while, <laughs> every once in a while. Um, right. So, what is the conceit of this new album? The video for the lead single "LMF" was a soul food in miniature. He's photoshopped his and other members of his uh, crew zero fatigues faces onto movie posters of black standards like New Jack City and Do the Right Thing. What is like the elevator pitch for this album, would you say? Oh my God. Um, it's like, did you like how good it felt to see black people in movies and on TV in the 90s? That's awesome. What if you got to hear some really good music? It just, <laughs> it just feels like that sort of like family reunion, but also like when you walk outside with your cousin for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just feels like all of that sort of wrapped up. It feels very familiar. Yeah, it is. It is extremely familiar. And I mean, like to your point about, you know, like seeing all of the black people just living life on TV in the 90s, the cover of the album is shot through the tube of like a tube television. Right. You know, and he's sitting on the floor and having his hair braided, which, again, is super, you know, D'Angelo, super AI, super Maxwell. It's very black nostalgia. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. And intimate and also chill. So 
on his first project, Black Swan, he was also getting his hair braided. How does <laughs> how does Noir improve on his debut album, Black Swan? Would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think the production is is tighter and you know more thought through. It definitely feels like it's part of a similar sonic world, um, but this. Black Swan was sort of woozy and slow and meditative and really beautiful. But I think um, the great thing about Noir is that, like, you can really dance to a lot of it. Like, I'm going to play this maybe while I'm, like, chilling at home doing whatever. Or I'm going to, like, play this while I'm, like, riding to a party and it doesn't feel like it's going to kind of slow me down. Um, And that's sort of exciting to see him that way. Yeah. Yeah, there there was a lot of on on Black Swan there. Take for instance, glass flows with uh, Raven Lanay. I mean, like even amphetamine, which is like you know like this really energetic pos- uh, posse cut, but it's you know still right. not exactly what your idea of I want to hear this at a party is. Crushed ice makes me want to fight, like, in a great way, you know? Yeah. But it just, it comes on and I'm like, wow, I could run through a wall right now. <laughs> Aside from your description of uh, what Smino's sound is above, like, what's what was what's his main draw? Like, what's his appeal for people that haven't listened to Smino? Hmm. I think Smino's a really inventive rapper. He does really kind of exciting and weird things with his voice um like he's not afraid to kind of try on like different vocal ticks and play around with them and sort of dip his voice pretty low like on the track um you know on crushed ice or he'll kind of play around and like literally mimic like elmer fudd it's just like he's not afraid to be sort of cartoonish and playful in that way and i think that it's really you know he doesn't take himself too seriously um and i think that someone who can do that and also be like a really solid lyricist and really sort of impeccable in their delivery um it's kind of you know Giving you the whole deal. Yeah. The, the, the wordy, the wordy thing that I have written down in my notes over here says communicates his quirks through R and B songcraft. <laughs> but, <Yes. laughs> uh, okay, Mike, I love <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like to your point, there's say for instance, spins, uh, which is, I mean, like tied for my favorite song on the album. Make it trip, make it trip, trip. Bring it right through your palace. The thing that I realized this morning was that the melody that he uses uh, once the actual verse starts is from uh, this Tom and Jerry sequence where Tom is beneath the window of this, this other pretty cat with a bow tie that he's trying to woo playing like the cello or whatever and he's just like and it's actually a Lewis <laughs> Jordan song but I choose to believe that Smino was also watching Tom and Jerry cartoons and was just like you know what let me put this in a song about dirty macking Right, because the thing is, like, you can see him doing that, right? You can, like, see him sitting on the floor, like, with a bowl of cereal being like, oh, shit, like, that's what I want 
in my song. And that sort of like, again, that like playfulness, that inventiveness, that kind of like pulling from like all sorts of different influences, whether it's like R&B in like clear ways or like funk and gospel, like he said, like, what's the line on LMF? He says, Mary got me married, now I'm singing like Mary, Mary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's... He said, the marijuana has me happy, and I'm now singing like acclaimed gospel duo, Mary, Mary. Like, yeah. that is... That's amazing, right? Like, what? Yeah, but also, another thing is just that his knack for, I guess, melody is so well-refined because it feels like he's always performing. Like if you listen to any of the interviews he does, it's just kind of, he still talks in that sing songy voice. And then on LMF, uh, the song that we both love. Yeah. I mean like he comes in like on the beginning of the verse and he's just like, okay, I caught the coupe and look at it with the shiny polish. Yo bitch, it does like $20. Like it's just a very, you kind of described it as vignettes but I mean like much of his music can be described that way like you remember like specific scenes like or like those melodies or whatever right and it lends itself so beautifully to visuals right like Mm -hmm. this this song is great but watching the video you're just like oh I want to be again like in this world I want to feel like immersed in it I want to feel like I can feel that same sun kind of shining on me I can smell the weed smoke in this (laughs) um Oh yeah, for, sorry. An- another another underrated Ahana music description was, I oh, think God. I was. This is this is about. I'm going somewhere with this. This is like he. This was about a uh, hello uh, on that Erica Badu tape where she also did a Hotline Bling cover, and it was her yeah. and Andre Three Thousand were performing this. All you were just like, I just envisioned like a wood cabin. With like filled with green smoke and like honey is dripping from the ceiling. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's from Tumblr. I keep trying to find that post. Um, and you just then I have you know these sort of weird meta moments where I'm like, why am I searching like green cabin honey smoke <laughs> like just sort of weird. But yeah, I, I'll never forget some Tumblr post that was like Andre 3000 and Erica's tape. Like if they have one floating around, you can't see anything. It's just like you know green fog. Right. Um, but I was saying that because it is another way of like the thing that was great about that tape is how it kind of weaves. Well, I mean, like, yeah, it weaves R&B elements and, and hip hop together. And then, you know, like Erica Badu is, you think Erica Badu when you think Neo Soul. And there's this new Neo Soul right. movement happening that Smino is a part of. Yeah. So can you note on the can you can you speak as to the veracity of this tweet from the internet? <laughs> the, the band, not like a tweet from the internet, like there are, you know, like hundreds of billions of them. Uh it says yeah, the I young... would never <laughs> I, I would never lend one of those any credence to <laughs> I mean, far be it for me uh to disagree with Sid. But you know, yeah, I think see you you sort of have a Sid and Internet, um, you know, you have your Neos, your no name, and you see a lot of folks who are sort of really like getting into um and sort of expressing a certain kind of like just a really, really beautiful and soulful musicality right now. Um that is really it feels like it's all being like tied together. Like it's literal sort of like ribbon almost. Mm-hmm. Um and it's been really exciting to see that come together and kind of move across genre too. I mean, you have Smino's technically a rapper, right? But he does this sort of sing songy thing and he has this production that's super smooth and super mellow and super evocative um, and kind of calls back to, you know, your D'Angelo's, your Erica's, et cetera. 
Okay, so I'm going to tie this together. What is <laughs> the stickiest melody for you on this album? Oh my God. You know, the thing is, I don't know. I think it's got to be Paisano. There's so many songs here where I'm just like, you can cut everything else and just have this playing in the background. And I feel like I will be getting my entire life. Um, but there's something about Paisano that just makes me want to drive, um, which is always sort of my personal litmus test for any song. Is it, does this make me want to like at least consider dealing with LA traffic again? And if it can, Paisano, I can't get that sort of, I just can't get it out of my head. One last question, actually, because there are a lot of, we've, we've already kind of discussed this uh, with, um, you've already discussed Smino's mind, but what is, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> what is the most relatable name check on this album? Oh my God. He mentions Rihanna like 85 times. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Fenty, he mentions specifically Fenty Beauty products. Fenty Beauty products. Savage X Fenty, the lingerie, like just, it's just, you know, multiple times. Um, and in these, in all these ways that are like, like I'm not getting my girl designer shit. Like I'm getting her Fenty and it's like, yeah, great. I feel so seen. Cause that's what I want. Um, I don't need like Gucci shit. I want everything that Rihanna has ever made. Please get that for me. <laughs> um, and so he does, you know, he, he kind of invokes the name of the baddest bitch in the game in multiple games. <laughs> <laughs> in multiple hustles. Um, yeah. Right. Like, a mo listen, an entrepreneur, a true mogul. Um, and it, it's kind of always a sort of winking, nodding thing, but it's not this weird kind of salacious um, thing that you see rappers do sometimes, uh, which can be really frustrating. It's like, instead of acknowledging that like Rihanna is undoubtedly a very attractive woman, the whole point of mentioning her all these times is to mention the currency that she has with other women and how much she means to them. Um, and so I think it's a nice kind of flip of what you see being the sort of most common reference to her. And there you have it. That is Hana on Smino's new album, Noir. You should actually go and read her piece about it on TheAtlantic.com. Hana, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, pal. It's been lovely. Anytime. We've all found ourselves down a rabbit hole on YouTube, haven't we? Who among us? Hasn't. There's so much music to discover there. You can spend hours exploring new songs and artists, and now there's an app to make it all so much easier. YouTube Music is a brand new music streaming service, combining everything you expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring it all to life. YouTube Music makes it easy to find the music you're looking for, official albums, singles, music videos, live performances, even covers and remixes. Don't know the song's name? Search by the lyrics. It's that easy. The YouTube Music app gives you recommendations based on taste, location, and time of day. You can easily find the music trending around you, no matter where you are. And with YouTube Music Premium, it's even better. Get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while other apps are open. Enjoy your music whenever you want it, even when you're offline. Download the new YouTube Music app today and start a free 30-day trial. Then enjoy music for just $9.99 per month. Terms and restrictions apply. YouTube Music, it's all here. Look at me now. 
Lil Peep stood apart from the collective you understand as quote-unquote SoundCloud rappers because while his contemporaries might have used emo punk as an effect, the genre informed Peep's entire approach to rap music. Come Over When You're Sober Part 1, his debut album solidified that, and him as an emerging star. He died at the age of 21, three months after it was released. The posthumous Peep album... Come Over When You're Sober Part 2 arrived last week, and my colleague Justin Sales, who calls it a monster punk album, is here to discuss it with me, as well as the weirdness of interacting with new music from someone who's no longer with us. Justin, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Micah. Of course, of course. The descriptors that you give at times to the new Peep album aren't the ones you'd normally attach to music, to his music. Like you say, glisten or clear or free. How is this different, like, sonically than part one? Part one started this. Mm -hmm. So with part one, they started moving away from um, a lot of the samples. So a lot of Little Peep's early music involved, um, it reappropriated emo and indie rock. And it was this really, like, muddy, uh, lo-fi affair. Mm -hmm. And part one was his studio debut, and that started to clean it up. There were still elements of that. Um, There's a brand new sample on Part one. Mm-hmm. Part two, though, it feels like a much bigger affair. Like, so the number one thing is this was the first time the producers had access to Peep's vocals without the effects that Peep applied after he recorded them. So he would normally record the vocals in GarageBand, mm-hmm. then he would bounce them as one track, like the harmonies, the overdubs, ad libs, everything in one track. Uh-huh. Then he would ship them over. Sometimes they'd have reverb on them that have effects. Uh huh. And the producers had to do with it what they could. And, you know, it contributed to his sound, but it was also, like, it wasn't the most, like, clean, I don't want to say pop-friendly, but it was just... It, it was, was scuzzy. Yeah. I mean, like, it, was, it wasn't, it was like, the, like, any of the stuff that you could hear on his previous mixtape, say, Cry, take anything from Crybaby or Hellboy, were very, like, right. it, it was, the texture of it was very dingy. Right. Yeah. So, even though the music was a little bit cleaned up on part one, it wasn't until part two, which it was this really heartbreaking process. Um, in the New York Times, his mother said that she took his old laptop that he used to record. He recorded everything in GarageBand by himself. Um, she took the laptop to an Apple store, said, my son died. This is him. Put it on a new one. Yeah. that I mean, like, I've reread that part a lot. Um, yeah. And also... You mentioned it in your piece and also saying that that was the way that producers like Smoke Asset got uh, access to, you know, like unfettered vocals. Right. Mm-hmm. So everything was much cleaner. It was much bigger. Um, they were able to take the vocals, make them pop out a lot more in the mix. In addition to that, the actual tracks themselves, uh-huh. um, they were much brighter. Like if you take, for example, the lead single Cry Alone. Mm-hmm. Um that sounds like a grunge hit from the 90s, that guitar line. Yeah. Especially the song Falling Down, which she recorded with, uh, originally recorded with McConan. That is a straight up pop song. Like there's there's no two ways around that. They That's just, it's a bright guitar line. It's like 120 BPMs. It, it moves. Mm-hmm. And... It just sounds so different than everything else that he had previously done. 
you mentioned that the the Fallen Down record was originally recorded with McConan and ended mm-hmm. up on this album at the end with a XXX Tentacion verse. There's a lot of controversy surrounding that. Right. Uh, you you noted on that. There's this piece in the New Yorker by Carrie uh, Batan who that was in June actually that it was published, but kind of references an image of of McConan walking around like a listening party with his hood on during that song. Okay, and like. There's also a lot of quotes in there from Peep's mom about how people working on the posthumous album should basically do it in a way that it's true to his legacy and also what he would have wanted. Right. And the juxtaposition of that, I mean, like it's it's a weird proposition making a posthumous album, isn't it? Because right. you only you don't have direct input from the artist. You're going off right. what they left behind. I mean, like, how are we supposed to feel about X's uh, vocals on Falling Down? Because, I mean, Peep did not fuck with X when he was alive. Right. And his collaborators are on record saying that Peep just flat out did not like X. Because of his mistreatment of women. Because of his treatment of women. Yeah. Um, And by all accounts, and I have friends that were friends with Peep, by all accounts, he was the sweetest guy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a difficult listen. Um, I personally have... I haven't warmed to that song too much, um, though it certainly, I think, sonically marks a turning point toward what we could have expected from Peep. So I think it's a really interesting song. Um, Personally, I don't know how to interact with it, much like I've had trouble with interacting with much of X's music. Yeah. It's difficult. I think X made some great music, but it's difficult to listen to in the context of who the artist was. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a, it's apart from the weirdness of posthumous albums in general. I mean, like there was even that you know, the Michael Jackson controversy recently, or with the Drake song. Well, yeah, I mean, like they weren't his vocals. In, was that true? I thought that was just uh... there was a there was a large report done on it. I don't know okay. if it's necessarily whether or not it was one hundred percent true, but it so, it wow. was weird enough to be a conversation for like ten years. <laughs> I feel like Drake buying fake Michael Jackson vocals should have been a much bigger story, but that's yeah. another discussion. Yeah, that is a whole other discussion. But anyway, yeah, like it's it's tough to know how to feel about it. I mean, like X is a streaming behemoth, like yeah. and the song, like you said, is good. It's just it will make you feel queasy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of these songs do. I mean, like which of these songs on this project you noted that it's Darker, it's darker in tone. It than is part one. Then part one. I mean, the part one was not. I don't want to present it as being this like cheerful, like little yeah. little light of sunshine. Comparatively, it's. But it was like it felt like it felt like it kind of cleaned up the edges of the earlier mixtapes, like a song like "Awful Things" from part one. That's just a song about like a dude having his heart broken. And right. like it's a great song. It's like, but it's not the same thing as like the song they play when I crash into you off Hellboy mm-hmm. or um I don't know, a few other songs off that mixtape. It's just is it's a different thing. Part two is it's darker um than part one for sure. It's the song Runaway, he talks about leaving his mother. She lived in Long Island. He eventually relocated to Echo Park here in Los Angeles. He's talking about escaping from his problems, and he's singing things like, um, I was dying and nobody was there, mm-hmm. which, you know. Is chilling. Is chilling now. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it's chilling to, if, if he were alive, it'd be chilling, but now it, it adds an extra layer. Um, a really representative song is uh, 16 Lines. Please don't cry, you're wasting your time. 16 lines make me feel fine. 10 years ago, I went blind. I've been on my own since age nine. Which leaked in June, but is on the album in its final form here. It's kind of it's kind of cleaned up, and it really stands out on the record. It's great, but it's um, just solely about drugs and depression. It's as dark of a little peep song as you can get. Right. I mean, like that. that there's another. It's his music centered around those same four themes of drugs, depression, girls, and loneliness. Yeah. Like it's you know it's music that is about isolation in all its forms. Um, are there any songs in this album that you just couldn't listen to or better way of asking this since you had to write yes. about it and this, yes. you had to listen to the whole album. Are there any songs that you just don't have any desire to revisit again? Because the themes were too dark. Themes are too dark. Maybe like this could be a question of aesthetics ed- ethics, whatever you want to call it. It's just, but the feeling is I don't really need to revisit this. From the theme being too dark, I, I've been skipping over white girls. Um, <laughs> I have not revisited Falling Down too much since that came out, mm-hmm. um, even though we just discussed how bright that song was. Um, Life is Beautiful is an interesting track. It kind of sticks out um, because it's a little more like thematically cohesive um, than some of his work. Mm-hmm. Like he's speaking directly to someone about um, things that are happening in their life outside of outside of his own depression. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I think the line trying to keep it cool at your grandfather's funeral mm-hmm. um, with that said I think that song kind of doesn't work <laughs> compared to some of the other songs right 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 um, but I mean like you were saying earlier about falling down it kind of like portended this pop turn for right. Lil Peep that was one of the sadder things about his passing is that it was just kind of the understanding that if you didn't know about him you were going too soon so I didn't really know about the the background of him relocating to London until recently. So after, so shortly before his death, he left Los Angeles. He was having trouble functioning here. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to get away from his circle. He went to London mm-hmm. and he linked up with McConan there, and they began they began recording music. And falling down came out of those sessions. In an interview with uh, the New York Times mm-hmm. that came out a few weeks ago, uh, Smoke Sack said that they couldn't make a sad song while they were in London. Like he, it was almost as if he had like come alive and he had like kind of like, I don't want to say he turned a corner uh-huh. in, in his outlook on life, but like while they were there, he was certainly making like more positive, brighter music. Huh. And this is the session that Falling Down came out of. I would love to hear what else came out of that. Uh, I guess McConan has the has, has the those. has the raw files, yeah. right? Um, I mean, things seem to be looking up for him, despite what everything. Yeah. yeah, and it's easy to envision a world where this newfound success. Um, he was also starting to get some runway shows that he right. was participating in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to envision a world where. He starts making, I don't want to say happy music, because that's, you know. That, I, I, that would be. Yeah, we're, we're, that'd be rewriting the story too much into some fan fiction. Like, exactly. that's, not, that's not what's happening. Yeah. But definitely music from a. A different place. It would be, a, it'd be not necessarily a full left turn, but 
a realization of uh, of the talent that you saw when you began releasing mixtapes in right. tw- 2015. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming by to help me parse the strange phenomenon of encountering Come Over When You're Sober Part yeah. 2. I, I also, you, your piece on TheRinger.com, great website, was is also very good. And all of you listening to this should go read it. Justin, thank you for coming by today. Thank you very much, Micah. Appreciate it. Of course. That's it. That's all we got for y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Hannah Georges and Justin Sales for stopping by. Shout out my producer, Bobby Wagner. Don't forget to check out our playlist that we'll be updating every week with the songs we're listening to. A link to that is in the description. Also, please rate and subscribe if you like the show. We'd really appreciate it. Peace. See you next week. Have you always wanted to learn to play a musical instrument but not know where to start? Let the Musician app be your personal music tutor. It's the best way to learn, practice, and master an instrument. It listens to you play and gives feedback on your accuracy and timing. Become the musician you always wanted to be. Download Musician for free in your app store today.